Welcome back to the Walk the Word podcast with me, Pastor James, coming out of Saar Fellowship in the Kingdom of Bahrain. We are walking through Genesis one chapter a week, and today we get to Genesis chapter 26. So we've reached the halfway mark. 50 chapters in Genesis, so today we turn for home, so to speak. We begin the second half of the book of Genesis. As with every week, if you've not read this week's chapter, Genesis 26, if you've not read that in the recent past, go ahead, press pause, read it, and then we'll come back together as we seek to know and grow in God's word together. So Genesis 26 begins like this. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to the Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. So here's Isaac, son of the promise. He's living in the land of the promise. And he still has temporary and temporal troubles in his life. So even though he is the son of the promise, the son through whom the promise is going to continue is living in the land of promise. He still has earthly circumstantial problems. Stuff still goes wrong in his life. So straight away, right out of the gate, we see that living the life that God wants us to live, being a believer, being a, a person who trusts in God, believes in God, but also believes God that doesn't remove from us any kind of earthly, situational, circumstantial problems. We are real people living in a real world where we have real problems, don't we? So off he goes. Isaac went down to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And uh, you remember back to chapter, I think it was about around chapter 20. Abraham had the same kind of thing. Uh, an interaction with this guy, Abimelech. And we said then that uh, Abimelech was a, as was, it was a title. It's uh, the king of the Philistines. It's the, the title that he assumes. So off he goes. And, uh, and then we read, The Lord appeared to him, to Isaac, and said, Don't go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land uh, of which I shall tell you. So during in this land. And we see... Some things are then conditional. So stay here, sojourn in this land, and, and then we get, I will be with you, and I will bless you. And to you and your, your offspring, your family, your descendants, your children, I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac's run into earthly problems. He's thinking, right, I'm going to go somewhere else and try and make a go of it somewhere else. Uh, the Lord appears to him says, stay here, and I will do all this stuff for you. And that's all predicated, that's all built on... We read, don't we, because, in verse 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge. So that's quite a, a thorough case laid out before Isaac, isn't it? You stay here. I will do all this stuff for you and with you because 
This is all built on the fact that your dad obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And as I'm reading through this, coming to mind again is that scene where the Lord uh, asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. We often forget that Isaac was a part of that. Again, Abraham was about 100. Isaac, people think between 15, 20, 25, could have easily pushed the old guy out the way and said, thanks, but no thanks, Dad. No way am I letting you bind me uh, on top of this uh, altar. There's no way you're going to kill me. No way you're going to offer me as a burnt offering. Isaac, we often leave that out. We often you know, highlight Abraham as this great man of faith who obeyed. But Isaac's there as well. So when we see that, you know, Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, Isaac was part of that as well, wasn't he? And we read in verse 6 that he listened. We see in verse 6 that he listened. So Isaac settled in Gerar. Simple. God says, don't go there. Stay here. I'll do all this stuff because you've got a family history of, of trusting in me and seeing the benefits of trusting in me. Stay there. So Isaac does. Then we read that when the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. A couple of things here. Yes, this is all built on the fact that your family history, your dad is obedient, your dad's Abraham, the promise, all that stuff is great. But then again, Old things are kind of surfacing, aren't they? Uh, Abraham did the same with Sarah. Isaac went from this really, this great spiritual experience, so I read, and then he's in he's just sin. And I read this week that the Bible doesn't teach that we are bound by generational curses, so to speak. But it is often the case that the sins of the fathers are found in the children. This may be because those sins of the flesh have been nurtured in the same environment and patterned by a previous generation. So Isaac has either been there when or heard about when Abraham described Sarah as his sister because of, I don't want to be you know, beaten up and killed so they can take her because she's my uh, wife. And... Again, the second thing that comes to mind, because she was attractive, we've said a couple of times that the Bible often errs on the side of, of understatement and that when people are described as attractive, it usually means that they are stunningly beautiful because we really want to keep the main thing the main thing, don't we? And if we're reading about beautiful women and this, that, and the other, it takes our mind, very naturally, it takes our mind away from the main point of what we're reading about. So Abraham's bad examples sadly, coming through here, shining through in Isaac, so to speak. And uh, we read that they'd been there a long time. Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and he saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. You think, hang on a minute, there's nothing wrong with laughing with ladies. There must be something more. You know, We read the Bible plainly and simply. And uh, unless it produces some kind of absurdity or, or, or something that's just not, just not right, just not normal. And here we see, look, Abimelech looks and sees Isaac laughing with Rebekah. And he said that it's my sister. Is there nothing wrong with laughing with your sister? So there must be something else going on here. And this part of the Bible written in Hebrew. If you read this in the old King James, the original King James version, 
Do you know what? I'll grab, I'll grab that. I'll grab one here. So if you read this in the King James Version, Genesis 26. Let me find that. Genesis 26. It says that uh, after a while, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw, behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. Now, this is just a, a really uh, polite way of saying that they were behaving in a way that only husbands and wife should behave together. So they were behaving in a way that husbands and wives behave when husbands and wives are together. I'm sure you understand uh, what I'm talking about. So his actions have proved that actually, unless this is a very disturbing family, they're not actually brother and sister. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, look, behold, she's your wife. What you, why? Why are you lying to me? Why are you saying... She's my sister because your actions have proven I saw what you were just doing. She is not your sister. Why are you lying? And Isaac says to him, Because I thought, lest I die because of her. And Abimelech said, What is this you've done to us? Why have you lied to us? One of the people might have easily you know, lain with her, slept with her, and would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Now again, here is a pagan king, worshipper of, of, of pagan gods, false gods, uh, rebuking the main character in God's story of the moment. As Abraham was, back in chapter 12, I think it was. Was it in chapter 12? As Abraham was rebuked, Chapter 20, as Abraham was rebuked in chapter 20, yet Sarah was protected from uh, this, uh, any advances of the local men, shall we say. Same here with Rebecca. Uh, same situation, lied about sister, wife, protected from being advanced upon by the men of the town. And uh, the pagan king is rebuking the man of God. And then we see that Isaac sowed in that land, this is verse 12. Isaac sowed in the land, reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds, many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Again, this is quite a, an understandable thing. This guy has come, he's not from there, he has uh, sown, reaped, become very rich, and people are envious of him. And I think we, we can't pretend that we would be any different, would we? We've seen some guy who's um, arrived from a different part of town, different country, come, worked, become really rich, and you look at that and you think, wow, I wish that was me. Wouldn't it be great if that was me? And if we, you know, if, if we say that, no, that, no I've, I've never thought that, and I never will think that, then we are probably playing with the truth there. And in terms of filling in wells and, and stopping the wells of water, you've got to remember this is a, a very, it's an, an old story with thousands of years ago. There's no water on tap. It's a hot country, they're in the desert. And if you block off a well, if you fill up a well, water is life. 
for all of us anyway, isn't it? But water is life, and it's so important when you're in the desert in the middle of nowhere in a hot country. So filling up the wells is a huge, is a huge deal. And then between verses 17 and 22, we see that Isaac uh, departs from there, moves his camp somewhere not too far away, and uh, he again dug the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gives these well names. He names the wells, names the places. And uh, one of them, they found a well with spring water, which is, again, at the time, locally, culturally, a massive deal. Because you've not just found a big pool of water sitting in the ground. You've not dug down just to find a pool. You've found a spring, which is even better. And uh, the first one he calls Isek, because it... Uh, they contended with him, and the Hebrew word sounds like contention. It means contention. Uh, they dig another one where they quarreled over, and they call that sitna, and that means enmity or kind of strife and 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 and, and sin and, and that this kind of contentious tension word. And he digs another well that they didn't quarrel over, and they call that one Rehoboth. And that means broad places, so the space between them and their enemies in this, uh, at that well, sort of thing. And he says, now the Lord has made room for us and we should be fruitful in the land. So he's dug out a few more wells, named them appropriately. And then verses 23, 24, 25, we see the Lord's leading. He goes up from there to Beersheba. A few verses time, we're going to see where that name comes from. And the Lord appeared to him in the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servant dug a well. So we see that the Lord is still with, the Lord is still for, I am, fear not, Isaac, I am with you. Wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, if it's in obedience to me, if it's in respecting, honor, and glorifying to me, don't worry, fear not, I am with you. And then a really interesting paragraph, uh, verses 26 through to 33. Abimelech went to him from Gerar uh, with his, his advisor and the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, very logically, Isaac said to them, why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? It's a very logical question, isn't it? Isaac goes down there, sojourns, become rich. They say, look, go away because you're kind of too rich. And it, it's, it's causing strife and tension between uh, the people that work for you and the people that work for me. And uh, it's producing envy in people. And that's just not a great thing. So off you go. So they come back and he says, look, you know, why, why have you come to me? Seeing that you hate me and you've sent me away from you. And they said, this is... Uh, Abimelech and his advisor, the commander of his army, they said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So it's so obvious to people around Isaac that God is prospering his way, that the Lord is for Isaac. And we said that, didn't we, in verse 24? Fear not, I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. And again, we think back to verse 5. All this stuff's going to happen for you, Isaac, because... Abraham obeyed my voice. So they come back. He says, why have you come back? They say, look, we can tell that God's with you. And they want to make a pact with him between you and us and let us make a covenant with you. And we said literally that means cut a covenant. So something would have been sacrificed here. That you will do us no harm 
as we have not touched you and have done nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So you made them a feast. There's the sacrifice being cut. You made them a feast and they ate and drank. In the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way and they departed from him in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came, told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, we have found water. Now again, God is loving to bless Isaac here. Loves to bless his children. And if you've got children, you're listening to this, you've got children, you're exactly this kind of feeling. You want to bless them. You want to give them more and more and more. You want to bless them. And we, uh, we read in at the end of verse 32, we found water. He called it Sheba, which kind of sounds like the Hebrew word for oath. Therefore, the name of the place, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. And that is to this day at the time when these records were compiled into written form. But if you look it up on a map, Beersheba, Beersheba is still a real place in Israel to this day, 2020. And then chapter 26 finishes with um, a couple of verses about Esau. We seem to have a little bit of a theme change. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Barry the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. So we said last time in chapter sorry, 25, Esau and Jacob were born. So throughout chapter 26, they're still there. They're just not the main subject of, uh, of what's going on. And we read here, Esau's 40, and he takes two wives. And they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. And again, we think forward to Hebrews chapter 12, where we're given this really strong warning via the, the Hebrews who the, the letter was written to. This really strong warning, don't be unholy like Esau, making life bitter for your parents. We think forward to that, but we also think back to chapter 24, where Abraham's most trusted servant is told, look, uh, swear to me by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you go to my country, to my kindred, and take a wife for Isaac. So Abraham went to great lengths to ensure that Isaac would marry within the family of God's people, so to speak, within, the fa- within Abraham's family. And here, here is Esau. We're just a couple of generations beyond that, aren't we? Uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. And here's Esau taking two wives from outside of the family, so to speak. And uh, you can see that that would make life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah, who both know the lengths that Abraham went to, who are uh, living proof, so to speak, of the wishes and the desires of Abraham. And uh, it's a bit of a sad situation that, look, this guy's 40 years old, he takes two different wives and he makes life bitter for his parents, for Isaac and Rebekah. So today then, Genesis 26, we see the Lord God's hand over, uh, over Isaac, that he loves to bless his children, 
uh, we see that even though Isaac is the son of the promise, living in the land of the promise, that temporary and temporal troubles are still going to cross his path. And then it's, you know, the lesson for us there is that it's, it's going to happen for us as well. Stuff is going to prod you. Stuff is going to poke you. Uh, but as we saw with Abraham, temporary troubles are no reason to cut your communion with the Lord. And uh, so we see, we see that about the troubles. Uh, Isaac is blessed. Isaac is prospered. Then we finish on this little bit of a down note that Esau was making life bitter for them. So again, even though he's the son of the promise, living in the land of the promise, his circumstances can be less than excellent. And he's got a, a grown-up child in his life that's making life bitter for him. So if that's you... If life is getting you down, if circumstances are against you, if you've got a child or a grown-up child, or just if you've got stuff in your life that is making life bitter for you, take comfort, take heart from the fact that you're not alone. There's nothing that's happening. There's nothing new under the sun, so to speak. And um, I just encourage you to turn to the Word, turn to the Lord in prayer, and uh, we'll, we'll see how... The Lord works out this situation in the lives of uh, Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob and Esau in the coming chapters. Next time then we'll get into uh, Genesis 27 where we see Isaac blessing Jacob and uh, everything that goes along with that. But until then, God bless you.